eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast, your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And as you guys know, we re-added a member. Now back with us is Jonah Jordan. He was with us on our VIP podcast. So if you missed that, this will be your first time actually hearing Jonah. But he's back with us. So Brooks, we got a lot to talk about today. Where are we starting? Well, I I think the only logical place after last week is to start and kind of regroup from the Tigers' debacle in Sioux Falls. Um it's you know, strong, I feel like it's a strong word, debacle. <laughs> debacle. Um, I feel like a lot of Memphis fans on our site, on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media in general, it just feels like they really need some direction. They need an idea of where this team is going and why the things that happened happened. Um, so I, I figure we just start with that. I mean, um, First, I want to say, like, from a basketball perspective, you know, I went back and watched all three of those games a second time. And the difference between that St. Mary's game and that VCU game, it was a slow de- degradation between a tremendous offensive performance against St. Mary's. They got a little bit worse against Western Kentucky. And then VCU was just a complete and utter debacle. And let me just say this. Knowing basketball is important. No, no, Being able to identify offensive sets, being able to identify when a team is running a certain type of offensive play is important. And you cannot watch the film from St. Mary's and the film from VCU and tell me that those were the same offenses. They were not. Um Memphis went away from what worked so well in the St. Mary's game 
against VCU. Um, just one small example of that, uh, if you look at Synergy against St. Mary's, total in the entire game between spot-ups and miscellaneous possessions, which means from a Synergy perspective, it's not a post-up, transition, pick-and-roll, isolation, screen, handoff, or a cut-based shot. So that's like anything else. So between spot-ups and miscellaneous possessions, Memphis only took 19 shots or had plays that were uh, in those categories 19 times. Against VCU, 31 times. Uh, Memphis's offense completely broke down against VCU. Uh, they had more transition possessions against VCU, but that was because of the pressure and the number of turnovers that VCU had. I think VCU finished the game with 19 turnovers. Um, so completely different offense. They they went away from uh, a reads and progressions-based offense and literally just uh, kind of went to – I don't I don't know what to call it like like a pick and roll iso type of game where they they did a lot of you know pick and roll but the the roll man hardly ever got it it was just kind of like they used the pick to be able to iso somebody and then jack up a bad shot but there were a lot of uh, bad shots a lot of yeah. bad shots so I mean my first question if I'm the Memphis staff is why did we change why change what works so well um, you know, another thing that really, really struck me in the VCU game, and I've, I haven't seen anybody talk about this. Um, Penny Hardaway talks about defense. He's got a defensive identity. He owns the defense. That's his thing. And Memphis, I, you know, again, why? I don't know. But they were down by four at halftime, 33-29. They come out of half in a 2-3 zone haven't played it all game that was stunning to us to all of us we reacted in our group text in our group text there was reactions we were like what is going on what are they doing yeah and and shortly after memphis gave up two straight threes and went from four down to ten down and just could never recover and and if you look at it memphis was down by four at halftime. They lost the second half by seven points. You take away those two threes that happened as a result of switching to a zone defense, and they lost that second half by one point. Completely different game if that doesn't happen. I mean, I um, get the idea of why they would switch to zone because they are so long and they are so athletic, and at the point of attack especially, you've got Boogie or Alo, and you should be able to do it, but they just haven't done it this season. I mean, they've been so much better when you dial up the pressure, when you're playing – right there in at full court man and I just it didn't make any sense to me when they did it. I mean, here's my feedback on that. You're good at what you do. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is if you if you play man to man on every possession and and you become good at it because it's what you do, you stick with what you do yeah. because it it's your bread and butter. Syracuse is good at zone because it's what they do. It's, it's what all they, they run. do in practice. It's what it's like in their blood. And Penny Hardaway's teams aren't zone teams. You don't need to hide foul trouble on a team that's going 10, 11 deep. 
Um, there was no foul trouble at that point. No. There's okay. Well, we could disrupt them, disrupt them using your man, you know, pressure in, you know, pressure 70, 80 feet, pressure the ball, get the shot clock low, be aggressive early and then fall back into your shell. But that's not what they did. They chose to go completely away from what they do well. So my big question coming out of last week is why change? Why not commit to an identity and stick with it? I feel like that's why Memphis went, you know, everything went wrong for Memphis the way it did. They did not commit to who they are. Penny Hardaway has to find an identity for this team, for himself, for his team, you know, his system. What is he running? What offense is he running? Pick an offense, go with it. Don't change, right? Yeah, and and to me, the alarming thing is about what they did over the week in South Dakota is you go from a team in that St. Mary's game, and, and, and now they have people second-guessing them. They've had fans come back and say, well, they really weren't even good in that St. Mary's game offensively. Boogie was just hot. And as you mentioned, Brooks, that's simply not true. That's they look not like true. A different, they look yeah. like a different offensive team. They were moving fast in tempo like they always have under Penny, but they were making the extra pass, which is something they haven't done too much over the past couple of years. And uh, on the broadcast in the Western Kentucky game before Western Kentucky and Charles Bassey kind of took over that game, Dan Dockett says, there's no way this is in the top 25 team. I saw multi- multiple national guys saying there's no way this is in the top 25 team. And uh, it's crazy what can happen in 48 hours because Memphis went from making everyone think they were easily a top 25 team to people saying, okay, this team, like Brooks says, has no identity. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, at, at times they look really good, but at times they still look young and and you know like they're forcing things. And honestly, in that VCU game, it looked like we were watching the 2019-2020 Memphis team. That's exactly what we watched all year last year. It was a bunch of young players struggling to, to kind of find their way and find an identity as a team. And that, that shouldn't be the case this year. They, they found that identity in game one against St. Mary's. That was the team that we expected to see. They came out and looked really good. Uh, we talked about it in the podcast afterwards about how impressed we were. But we did say it was only one game, and, and, and that tune changed very quickly to going from the team we expected them to be to the team they were last year. So, Brooks, I think you're exactly right. They have to find an identity. They have to come out in these next two games against inferior opponents that they should beat and look like the team that they did against St. Mary's because if they struggle offensively, turn the ball over, um, take selfish shots, like you said, with you know with taking those 31 shots, in that VCU game that they that they more than likely shouldn't have taken, if they come out and look like that again, fans are uh, fans are going to be disappointed quickly, and that's uh, that that's never a good thing for us. So moving forward, we got a couple of games against you know some inferior opponents that we should that the Tigers should beat. Um, what if you could dumb it down? What you when you're coming out of a situation like Sioux Falls, you want to make sure that there's a, a simplification of it, right? Like you want to, you know, kind of rebuild the confidence of the team. So, Brooks and Christian um, and Jonah, what what are two things y'all think that are two players, two two schemes, whatever that you think this is what the Tigers should concentrate on to rebuild that confidence to get it back. Ooh. Take it away, I'm gonna Jonah. Defer. <laughs> Take it away, yeah, I'm gonna, Jonah. I'm going to let Jonah go first. Um. Okay, I got it. <laughs> so one thing they definitely need to do is they need to figure out who 
is running point guard? Who gets the ball? Who's bringing the ball down the floor? Because really one offensive problem they've had is that when they run the offense through DJ Jeffries, he gets a little lost. He either forces up something bad or he loses the ball or it doesn't go into the right spots. The same thing with Alex Lomax. Alex Lomax struggled a lot. I really, at this point, if you're not playing him on, like if you're shoving him back into his zone, especially like that's a pointless use of Alex Lomax's talents. I think Boogie needs to be starting. That's one thing I would do. Um, then the other thing is probably run it through DJ a little less, use him in a different way. Um, but then again, you, you you probably need a little, you need a consistent Landers Nolly too, I think. I think we saw flashes from him, especially in that second game. What was he? he had like 17, 18 points, wasn't it, Christian? 20, 25. 25. But he was awesome. And he was really, really good. If you can get a consistent Landers Nolly and figure out who is running the offense and have somebody who can consistently set things up and get the ball where it needs to go because that's a huge problem that Memphis is having. The ball stops, and it doesn't swing. It doesn't go where it's supposed to go. It doesn't go to the open man. If you can do those two things, I mean, this team will be fine. They'll be a top 25 team. Everything will be fine. Uh, you got to stop with the selfish shots, and you just you just need to move it a little bit more. All right, so building on that, uh, one thing that I talked about leading up to this tournament in our preview was I'm interested, and I think it was actually after the St. Mary's game, may have been after Western Kentucky, is how will Memphis continue pushing their offense deeper and deeper into progressions? Memphis's offense up to this point has been, you know, kind of an NBA style offense where they allow players to have freedom to create react based upon what the defense does initiate some of the offense in the high post with high you know high ball uh, screen and roll with uh, swinging it to corners initiating offense from uh, overloading one side and then making the proper reads well Memphis didn't do that against VCU at all and, and in fact if you go back and watch the film they they actually there were plays that showed up in Memphis's offensive sets that I have never seen before. And I don't know if that was an adjustment based upon the scout from a failure in, you know, watching the film against Western Kentucky. I don't know what that's from, but honestly, you know, Penny actually in his press conference today, he actually referenced how good Memphis's offense was against St. Mary's. So my question is, Moving forward, do they go back to that offense or do they abandon it and implement something completely new? We'll know on Wednesday night. We'll be able to see. I mean, if you know basketball, you'll be able to see whether they're playing, you know, actually like running horns, UCLA. Um, you know, if they're running traditional old school sets, if they're doing, you know, uh, if they're doing like a motion offense you'll be able to see it. So that's the one thing that I'm looking for. Um, Kenny is, is how they establish their offense. Now I do think that Jonas point is tremendous because right now they don't have a point guard. Alo is not getting the job done. It feels like, and this is just looking from afar, watching his play. That man's confidence is gone. Um, it just feels like he is deflated from a basketball perspective. I think Alo, he's got to find his love for the game. He's got to go back and, and pull deep from within himself and why he's trained for hours and hours and hours. And 
uh, committed to the game of basketball because it just feels like he's off in left field. So Boogie Ellis, to me, I think you've got to play him at point right now just because he's scoring the ball. Yeah, and to build off of those two points, Kenny, you talked about simplifying it and making it as simple as possible. I, I think the easiest thing to say is is pass the ball. I mean, it it, it's, it sounds uh, it sounds very simple, but it, it's not what they've done in the past two games. And with this team, with the weapons they have, with the length they have, with the athleticism they have, they should have no trouble spacing the floor. This is something we talked about all offseason, is the spacing on this team should be ridiculous, and it should. And it was in the St. Mary's game because they moved the basketball. Um, and I think Brooks and Jonah both touched on point guard. They've got to find who that guy is. I don't, it, I don't think it's Alex Lomax right now. I think he looked good in the first game, but I think as of right now, he probably needs to go back to the bench. And they've got to determine whether Damian Ball or Boogie Ellis gives them the best shot at their starting point guard. If they want to keep Boogie coming off the bench, do what you're going to do and uh, and and move the ball. Because we saw in the past two games them trying to play hero ball. This team has too much talent to do that. They don't need guys ISO and going and shooting contested shots. If you swing the ball, move the basketball, run the, run the offense, whatever that offense may be, you're going to have open shots because teams have to respect Landers Nolly's shooting. They have to respect DJ Jeffries. They have to respect Musa uh, if he's uh, within a foot of the basket. Uh, they have to respect Boogie Ellis's shot. So this team should be able to space the floor. If they move the ball, they should be able to get open shots like they did in that St. Mary's game. So for me going forward, especially in this this week's two games, that's that's the thing I would be looking forward to the most, to see if they get back to the way they played There's against St. Mary's. There's actually two other things. Go ahead, Jonah. What you got? There's actually two other things uh, that you need to look for in these next two games, too, is Lester Quinones, because for a shooter coming out of high school, he isn't making a lot of threes. Um, And I think, I mean, I think they found something playing him at the small ball five. I think it's really interesting kind of thing that Penny has done that has worked. Um, He got bodied a little bit by Charles Bassey, but I mean, that's going to happen to just about anybody. But they need him to start hitting shots. Then the other thing is what you said is Musa. I think Musa needs to toughen up a little bit. I think that'll take a little bit of time um, and maybe not even toughen up. He just needs to get that feel of the college basketball game a little bit. And once he does, I think that man's going to be a beast. He just needs to find this. Why I said it on the VIP podcast, I think he's going to start a little slow because getting the feel for and the speed down of college basketball, it does take a minute. And maybe that can help in these next few games where he, he can work his way into it and find a rhythm and find a feel and find where he's really good on the on the college basketball floor because this is different than what he did in high school. He was pulling those post moves that maybe that would work in high school, but now you got a guy who's just as tall as you, just as strong as you, pushing back on you, and it's it seemed to bother him a little bit. And what, But once he gets that feel and that, comfortable le- that comfort level down, I think that guy's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, Christian, one of the things that you said – was that other teams have to respect Landers Nolly's shot. Other teams have to respect DJ Jeffries. And my response to that is, do they? You know, DJ Jeffries against VCU, he went, what, 6 of 15? He was he was 1 of 5 from 3. Lester Quinones, you know, Jonah, you hit on him. He was 2 of 8 against VCU. You go back and watch the film, three of those six misses, wide open looks. You cannot Six be of this 15. team's knockdown shooter. You cannot be a guy that thumps your chest, wins the three-point shootout in virtual Memphis Madness, you know, puts on a show for people and, and you know, tries to 
you know, get the clout from being a shooter and miss three open looks in a game that could be decided by those open looks. You got to hit those shots. Like, man, it's time for some of these dudes that Memphis has counted on that Penny Hardaway in the offseason has talked about. DJ Jeffries needs to step up. Like, you can't say, okay, well, it's been 10 months since DJ stepped on the floor. Like, at some point, you got to get rid of the excuses and you got to go out there and perform. Um, you know, so these guys, Alos, got to fall back in love with the game. DJ needs to just hit shots, uh, needs to go out there, get to the bucket, jump stop, stop charging, stop going to the, the basket, you know, with your head down, full head of steam, charging over dudes, getting offensive, uh, you know, fouls, hit some shots, get in a rhythm. Same for Lester. Lester's got to hit wide open threes. You know, leave his follow uh, through up. You know, stop pulling the chain on his shot. You know, this it's they at some point they've got to actually start playing the way that everybody said they could. I mean, that's the big thing. You know, when you hit shots, you look good. When you don't, you don't. Just be who you're supposed to be, right? Just do it, right? Just do your know, job. One, one positive I took away was I thought Malcolm Dandridge looked great. Other than the, he missed a few bunnies. I thought, but I thought that was a team wide thing. Malcolm Dandridge looked great. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I was impressed with what he gave. I, I would not expect anything more from Malcolm Dandridge the rest of the season than what he he's already given this team. I think if you're if you want this team to be what everybody thinks it can be, you've got to have Musa Cisse playing the majority of the minutes at the five. You've got to get DeAndre Williams eligible. Um, and and then you just you go with the freshman. You let the chips fall where they may. I don't think Malcolm is going to be the savior for this team whatsoever. Oh, no. So I have a question you know, for you guys to kind of wrap this shoot. this conversation up. <clears throat> we went we went in depth, Brooks, and everybody went in depth on Sioux Falls. Um, but let's take a step out <clears throat> and go thirty thousand foot view on this thing. Um, is in y'all's opinion, do you think that the Sioux Falls crossover classic, the 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 three games and how the the rise and the falls and the, just the frustrations that people were feeling, the happiness that people were feeling, is this indicative of what the season's going to be, or what do you expect thirty thousand foot view for the Tiger program this year? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll kick this off because Brooks like looked like he was hesitating a little bit. He probably wants me to go first. Uh, it could be. This could be another roller coaster season. It, it's all dependent on how they respond. This isn't a, a talent problem. This isn't. It, it's not. It's not any of those problems that people keep pinning on. We're not good enough. We don't have the bodies. They do have the bodies. They have the talent. They have the players. If they put it all together, they're a tournament team. They're a top twenty-five team. If they keep doing this, then they're gonna win some decent games, and they're gonna lose some games that they shouldn't lose, like they already have. So this is all dependent on the team. If they play the way they're supposed to, this will be a distant memory at some point. Nobody will care about the crossover classic and, and losing the VCU in Western Kentucky, and that, that won't matter. But if they continue on this path, they play the way they have, then this could be a preview of what's to come for the next 23 games on the schedule. I think if Memphis doesn't find a point guard, that this is going to be a pretty rough year. If they don't figure out a way to initiate their offense – in a way that makes sense 
and get the ball to where it needs to be, this is going to be rough. If Penny and Toppert and all those guys can get get in there and figure out what they're doing with their offense, this will be the best team since Joe Jackson last year. Probably maybe even a little bit better because they have that kind of potential. If not, it's going to be a long year. Like this could be another long one because, I mean, you have to you have to be able to – like it starts with the point guard. And, I mean, for Memphis, like – that's the end all be all right now because that's in my mind at least that's the biggest problem yeah right now boogie ellis is the only tiger who is getting an extremely high usage and has a points per possession that is uh over a one so for example boogie ellis is at a 13.3 on possessions, total total percentage of possessions. And he's at a 1.175 uh, from a PPP. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty dang good. Uh, his effective field goal percentage right now is 62.5. DJ Jeffries, 15% of Memphis's possessions are going through him right now, and he's at a 0.6. So per possession, every time he touches it, He's getting Memphis 0.6 points. That's not acceptable. Landers and Ollie is the closest after him uh, that's got a double-digit possession percentage at 0.927. Still not good enough. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Memphis does moving forward to right the ship. I, I expect to see big changes. I would say Malcolm Dandridge, Lance Thomas – probably see very limited role play uh, from here on out. I think they're going to tighten the rotation. I think uh, Alex Lomax will probably be coming off the bench. Uh, And and because of all of this, yes, I think it's going to be up and down. Because here's the thing. Most of these guys haven't played to their potential yet. So I do think that at some point, we're going to see a game where DJ's on. Lester's on, Alo has a good game, uh, Boogie's on, DeAndre's on, um, you know, that that they have a cumulative effort. That, was, that the word is hard to say when your mouth is dry. Uh, <laughs> a, a large team effort where we've got like five, six guys in double figures. You've got guys shooting, you know, three or four from three. 20 plus the, assists. Yeah, the team looks really good. And then you're going to have another night where they relapse and go into these poor shooting performances and you need a Boogie Ellis, you know, bonanza to pull you out of a a loss that you shouldn't have had. You know, Conference USA looks solid too. UCF just beat Auburn. Uh, Chris Walker is no joke. Uh, The American looks solid. I mean, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The, you know, Tulsa's not bad. Uh, Tulane's two, two better. Houston, Houston looks Houston is awesome. awesome. Uh, SMU's going to be good. And here's the thing. UCF, I mean, uh, USF, Brian Gregory's, if you watch their film, if you watch their games, dude, they run really good offense and they've got better talent than they did last year. And they made Memphis look silly Destroyed. last year. Destroyed so, Memphis. And, and that's another thing to take into consideration when you think, how is the rest of the season going to go? Memphis needs to be really, really good from here on out. They don't have time 
to get this thing right. They don't have like six weeks. They've got to start this week. But good thing for them is they got three cupcake games coming up before they have to travel to Atlanta and you know prove that they can play on UCF's level and take down Auburn. So let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be done for, with basketball for the rest of this podcast, but we've got some good football nuggets coming your way. So stay tuned after the break. And we'll get to Tiger football. Trade my four by four for GC3. Ain't no more freeless feet. I gave him chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told him, please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you did, but still tell you to freeze. Love, I seen what I seen. I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Cook that up, Quay. Fobia look like we hit bricks, how we sell bricks, we don't sell All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Thanks for sticking in there. We're going to talk some Tiger football. So speaking of bad offense, uh, Jonah, I'm going to toss it to you so we can talk about Memphis football at Navy, the whopping 10-point, 10-7 win over Navy for Ryan Silverfield's team. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a brutal watch. I guess Memphis fans aren't necessarily used to um, defensive battles because I mean we just haven't been used to seeing that since what Fuente took over the <laughs> the program so many years ago. Uh, defense played great. They were lights out. They did so many good things to stop that triple option attack, and they modified it a little bit to throw a little bit more. Memphis wasn't thrown off by it, but really the offense was the was the problem. They could have beaten that Navy team by two or three, four scores if the offense had been rolling. They're really struggling to run the ball. Ryan Silverfield mentioned it in his uh, Monday availability that they're struggling to run the ball because the offensive line just hasn't been good enough. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that as long as this offensive line is struggling like that, it's gonna they're going to struggle to run the ball, which hurts them in their passing game a little bit. Brady had a few poor plays in that game, but he ultimately was what won them the game. Um, But yeah, I mean, Christian can probably talk about this a little bit more too. 
the offense has just been brutal and it's just not up to standard. I know Ryan Silverfield doesn't think it's good enough. They're going in against a talented two lane team this weekend and they're going to have to bring it because they could definitely lose that game if they don't. Yeah. Christian, let me, let me just preface this. We just got through talking about this yesterday uh, on a call about looking forward to this two lane game and how dangerous this game is like this two lane team in new Orleans you know, like two years ago, that game is was uh, traumatic for Memphis fans. If you rewind the clock, uh, I mean, this Tulane t- team is good. So moving forward, what does this Memphis football team need to do to right the ship offensively? Yeah, and I think I think they still have a bad taste in their mouth about that game, even though they came back and they they handled Tulane last year. Ryan Silverfield said it in the Monday availability that, you know, they they got whooped last time they went to New Orleans. And they don't want that to happen again because that was I mean, that was a very embarrassing loss. I don't think they had ever lost in against Tulane or at Tulane. I know it broke some it was like twenty five straight games or something crazy like that that they had beaten Tulane before then. So they don't want that to happen again. Uh obviously they are not nearly as good on the road. Both of their losses this year on the road. They almost had another one this past week against Navy on the road. And they just haven't been a great travel team. You know, over the past several years, they haven't been. I know last year they were, but even their lone loss last year against Temple came on the road. They're they're just not a great travel team. They haven't been in, in quite some time. So uh, I, I think it's big for them to go get a road win. Road wins are not easy to come by for this team. So if they can go into Tulane, get that win, it's big. But like you said, Brooks, this is a good team. Tulane's played pretty much everyone close this year. Um, I think they almost beat SMU. They almost beat uh, UCF. It was a close game going into the fourth quarter, and UCF kind of ran away with that game. So they have talent. Uh, they're I think they're a pretty well-coached team. They have been for the past couple years. They're not great defensively, but they play really fast defensively. Skill position-wise, they're usually pretty loaded. I know they lost Darnell Mooney, but they still have some guys. And Brooks, you asked what do they need to do moving forward. And in Tuesday's availability, Ryan Silverfield said they they cut a lot of the run plays out, and I think that is so smart. It, it had to be done. You have we just talked about simplifying with basketball. Ryan Silverfield's doing the same thing. He's simplifying the offense. Knows what they do well. Knows what isn't working for them. So to simplify that run game is huge. And another thing I think they need to implement more is the screen game and the short passes that are basically an ex- extension of the run game. It's something this team has done so much they did it under Mike Norvell a ton they love throwing screens to receivers under Mike Norvell they haven't they went away from it a little bit this year they've been more of a downfield passing team uh, not too many screens so I won't be surprised if they get back to that the more short to intermediate passing just to open things up down the field to open up the running game to back some of those linebackers out of the box so I don't think it's necessarily uh, a fix that's that's impossible. I think it's very fixable. Simplifying the run game is a big deal. Uh, open up lanes for Brady White because he's obviously been very good this year. Allow him to use that mobility that came out of nowhere because he can actually get out of the pocket now <laughs> and make plays <laughs> uh, with his mobility. So just open everything up is all they have to do because when a team knows that you're going to run the ball on first down pretty much every time, it closes off what you can do on offense because that's that's the problem they ran into at Navy. They got behind the chains on nearly every possession. Uh, they would run it once or twice on every on every set of downs and then have to throw it on third and long when, when Navy knew exactly what was coming. I mean, when you're playing a well-coached football team, that's very difficult to do. So like Jonah said, that's a team they, they could have and should have beat by 20 to 30 points. 
and hopefully they right the ship this week, get that fixed, understand what they can and cannot do offensively, trust their quarterback, trust Brady White, uh, and and call the running plays that they know are effective and that they know they can block well. And I think I think they'll be fine. Uh, but they've got to continue to do those things well, and you need your defense to to continue playing the way they did last week. I know they're they're not playing a triple option team again, uh, but if they can carry over that momentum, that's that's going to be big for this team in the last couple games. A little bit of that's happened because of the struggles in the run game. I'm sorry to cut you off, Kenny, but a little big a bit that's happened because of all this is that they've gotten a little bit predictable. That. I mean, I remember we were sitting up in the stands of the UCF game. You came and talked to me, Christian, and how we were talking about how creative and how fun the offense was. It doesn't feel like they are that right now. They feel a little bit predictable. They they aren't keeping people on their toes. And I think that is a little bit because they're struggling and they have they kind of were getting too complicated. I think there are things they can do like where's the shovel pass to Taj Washington, that kind of stuff that kept that UCF didn't see that coming, ended up winning them, helping them win that game. Things like that, that have been missing these last few weeks. And maybe they just don't feel like it can work. And I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles they build in there to kind of, to keep Tulane honest and keep them on their toes to help, help Brady White, help the running backs get a little bit more confidence. So I remember last year, Christian, when you and Gabe were breaking down film room episodes after each game, um, one of the things that stood out to me the most was seeing Kenny Gainwell coming out of the backfield, lining up in the slot, catching passes out of the backfield, things like that. Kenny Gainwell ain't walking through that door. So who who do you see as the guy? Who's the who's the running back that can fill that role of catching passes out of the backfield? Is it Dreek? Is it Marquavius? Is it Asa? Who is it? Me and Jonah actually talked about this yesterday afternoon on a call, and we both say give Asa Martin a run. I mean, he was I, to me and Jonah both. He was the the best running back the other night. Marquavius Weaver couldn't get much going. They didn't use Kylan Watkins as much as they typically do. Um, I, Rodriguez Clark may be the best pure runner, but he's definitely not a receiving back. He's more of a one cut and go type of player. Ace is a little faster and a little more shifty. So if I was them, that's who I'm throwing out there. Uh, the guy was obviously, you know, highly recruited for a reason. He was at Auburn and Miami for a reason. Very talented player. I've talked to guys that covered him in high school that that thought he was going to be a legit second or third round pick at some point after his collegiate career. So let him go. You know, give, giving him opportunity. He had a forty three yard catch against Navy. It was um, the longest th- play of the day. That's why I, I was about to say. I think that was the biggest play of the game for Memphis. So. Give him a run. You gave Marquavius a run, and he he didn't really capitalize on the opportunity. And I don't think that's all on him. I think a lot of that falls on the offensive line. But let let Asa Martin get some carries. Use him as the use him as the three down back for the first couple of series and see how it works. If he's uh if he's playing like you know like I believe he can, uh, then then maybe they'll be able to stick with him and and have a running back that they know they can go to uh, in any situation. Well, let let the record show. If you listen to this podcast, you'll know going into the game uh, this weekend that that this is a dangerous game for the Tigers. And Christian, you referenced it uh, with their schedule. Let's just walk through them. They lost to Navy. Navy kicked a field goal as time expired. Lose by three points. So, close game. Tulane Boy will eat in that game. Yeah. Houston was a close game up until the fourth quarter. They ended up losing by by multiple scores. Uh, lost to SMU by a field goal in overtime. UCF, that was when they they were playing really well. Uh, beat them by three scores. And then Tulsa, 
beat them in double overtime and two OTs uh, this past weekend. So, or two weeks ago. So, you know, three of those games, extremely close, three of their five, they, they theoretically, you know, if the, the ball bounces a different way, this, this Tulane team could be a two-loss team coming into this weekend. And it's at home. Memphis does not play well on the road. I think Vegas agrees with my sentiment here. I think the line is like a point and a half, maybe. One and a half. Uh, and I, yeah, I think I think Tulane's actually favored in, in this game. So if Memphis goes in and does everything you've talked about, let's just say that Memphis wins by 17 points. Theoretically, that means that Ryan Silverfield, this staff, they've done everything that we've talked about here. So, uh, I think the score this weekend will be an indication of how strong this Memphis team will finish out the year because I think now they they have an idea of what they're working with. You know, the the players that are opting out have opted out. The players that the offensive weapons that they were going to lose, they've lost. Um so Kenny, any any last questions before we move on? Yeah, I have a question. Um, obviously, the defense played a great game against Navy, held them to seven points. You know, stifled their their uh, their running game. Is it an aberration? Is this something that we can expect? Like, that's one of the things that we've seen throughout the years. The offenses had to carry the team throughout the 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 games. Defenses had struggles. Are we seeing? Tr- are are y'all seeing Christian? You and Jonah? Are y'all seeing trends towards the defense? being better or was that more of like Mike McIntyre just has a good system to stop the the triple option I think it can be a combination of the two um I think they're probably not going to hold either of their last two opponents to seven points I think that's unrealistic to expect to hold Tulane or Houston to seven points but there are definitely things to be encouraged about Sanchez Blake was great Quindell Johnson is literally probably the best safety in the American athletic conference. And I like, I, it's an incredible development. They're getting healthier. They're starting to play better together. Like TJ is healthy and he's out there playing. Uh, their communication in that game was great outside of the fake punt and the touchdown run, which both happened on one, on one single drive. Memphis is, didn't allow any huge plays. There weren't any guys roaming around where you're like, what are you, why are you in that spot when it's so obviously not the spot you're supposed to be in, which has happened a lot this year. So there is are there are things to be encouraged about, and maybe we're getting to a point now where this defense doesn't have to be carried as much, but I still think that it is a little bit of the same defense we saw at the beginning of the year, but there are absolutely things to be encouraged about. The, off, the defensive line has been fantastic. O'Brien Goodson, John Cartwright is somebody, um, Kawan Robinson, uh, they've got guys all across the defensive line who've been fantastic, and it's just building and building and building to maybe where you won't see them give up 54, 55 points. Maybe you can get it down in the 20 and 30s range. Yeah, I'm with Jonah on this one. They're not going to be a perfect defense. Uh, we know their secondary is going to continue to have struggles. And there's two things that, that make that outlook a little bit more positive. TJ Carter's back, and I know he's not perfect, uh, but he's better than John Broussard and Savante Oliver for sure. Yes. Uh, Quindell Johnson should not come off the field. He should not miss a play. He's the best safety on that team by far. He is so good, man. He's very good. Very good, especially in run support, but he's shown that he's always around the ball and always makes plays, even on passing plays. So those two things are key. And Jonah mentioned the defensive line. Morris Joseph and O'Brien Goodson played an incredible game uh, against Navy. 
Uh, Jaleel Clemens made some big plays. If they can continue to have this defensive line play up front and get pressure on the quarterback, they'll be they'll be much better. Because what's the one way to make up for a bad secondary? Pass rush. Forcing the quarterback to make throws that he doesn't want, want to make. So that's the key moving forward. It's not the secondary. The secondary is not magically going to get better. They just have to get more pass rush uh, to be able to keep quarterbacks uncomfortable and to make bad throws and to force bad throws, which they've done a good job of this year. They forced, I think, 14 turnovers this year. Uh, one of the top teams in the American at forcing turnovers, and they're going to need a lot over the past couple games. Um, if they want any shot of making the the championship game, we know that's a far fetch, but they have to win these last two, and they need their defense to make plays and force turnovers. Yeah, at this point, control what you can control. They've got Tulane, Houston, and they close out the season with that. If uh, you know, if if the gods, the football gods, work in their favor, then possibly the American Championship game. But if not, you look forward to a bowl game. Um, so yeah, for Memphis, it's it's winding down on a football season. We didn't even know whether or not it was going to happen. So let's just be thankful for that. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we're up quickly approaching football signing day. Uh, so I, I do think that not only with, you know, the, the chance for a good road win this weekend to, to close out the season at home against Houston, you've got football signing day coming up for uh, the football team with a chance to, to get some positive momentum going into spring, going into spring practice and to prepare hopefully for an actual real full season with full prep uh, with a good squad coming back. So, uh, guys, anything else on basketball, football before we close it if out? You guys, if you guys want to want to know the ins and outs of football signing day, join VIP, man. It, you you might want to – if you want to know what's up, join VIP. Listen, every, every year, every year, we kill football signing day. We, we typically have features on every single signee when they sign. And this is the first year that we've got a full-fledged, like, man man version of Christian Fowler alongside Jonah Jordan. Wait, what? Uh, and I guess I'm a, I guess I'm a man uh, now. You know, a full-size man version. Back it's in the, the day. It's the mustache, isn't it? It's the, yeah, it's the goatee. Like, you look at, look at our artwork, man. Like, even just a year and a half ago, Christian was a little baby. Oh my god! <laughs> so full-fledged man version of Christian. You got a better football version of me now. Like I'm, I'm progressing. No, Christian's yeah. shaking his head. No, yeah, you yeah. definitely, you're trying. Definitely you're, you're trying. Good old college try. Uh, so stay tuned to GoTigers247.com for everything you want to know about Memphis's 2020 recruiting class. I think we could even have some good news as early as this week. So stay tuned. Stay locked in. Uh, give all of our crew a follow on Twitter. If you go look at the at GoTigers247 bio, all of the handles are there. If we got nothing else, last chance. We're good. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 